What up? You have tuned into another exciting episode of Talk the Talk with Mo Orr. If you're not listening to me, then you might want to grab some popcorn, get a bottle of water, grab your favorite Snuggie, and find a nice, comfortable spot on the couch and get ready for the ride. Look, over the past month, I've sat back and listened to a lot of people complain about a variety of things. A lot of talk about the pandemic, a lot of talk about isolation, a lot of talk about where they could go or get some help on how to download my podcast. Well, we'll say it all loud and together. Telling all your friends to listen to my damn podcast. You knew it was coming. I say it every single episode. Today's topic, having a session with Dwayne Durst. I'm kind of going to sit back on my couch, enjoy the ride that he's going to take me on. But first, I got some particulars I got to take care of. This podcast is brought to you by the Jerky Zone. When you're looking for that high protein packed snack to get you back on track, the next stop is the Jerky Zone. And intro wheels where custom rims make your classic cars come to life and Advantage Capital Management, where the plus in the logo signifies above and beyond commitment to adding value to investments by providing A-plus impact to the world we touch. You could also watch this podcast on our app. Just go ahead and download it, www.thsn.today. Download the app. All right, let's get to it. My guest today is someone that everybody and everyone needs to know, but nobody wants to commit to it. He is someone that everyone as a friend because he loves to listen to your issues. He is someone that lets you talk and then responds once you're done talking. So that, of course that's not me because I'm always talking. Look, I am honored to welcome licensed marriage and family therapist Dwayne Durst to talk the talk with Mo Orr. Hey Dwayne, how you doing today? I'm doing, I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. Good. How's the family? And, and what have you been doing during this quarantine right now? Yeah. Well, what I'm doing is kind of hunkering down just like everybody else and trying to make the best of it, trying to make, you know, it, it, there's a lot that goes into this. And, and what we need to do is just learn how to like be flexible and resilient for, in this in this period of time. Yeah, you said bunker down. It's so funny because I try to hide secrets. And the first <laughs> hidden secret I'm going to let out right now. And his name is Tony Rosignal, the CTO of the high school narrative. What's going on, Tony? Mo, got a great guest tonight. Great, this is gonna be a really good one. We do, man. I tried to hide you like a bad secret, man, and you're <laughs> still there. I couldn't do <laughs> <laughs> uh, Look, thank you for being with us today. Dwayne, I've been waiting to ask you, what is the first question people usually ask you when they find out that you're a marriage and family therapist? What, what, what do they say? Well, it's not so much what they say, but it's the intent of what they say. And most times they're trying to ask me, am I okay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and they ask it in a, a myriad of different ways. And then they tell me something about themselves that's just kind of crazy. And, and they want to know that it's okay to be crazy sometimes. And I said, absolutely. You know? That's funny, because I guess I can therapy. cross out my first question. That was my first question, is are you okay? But I guess I can go ahead and cross that one out. <laughs> Look, you're in a business that will never, ever, ever go away, right? After this quarantine, either you're going to have a whole lot of new clients, or all yeah. those old ones are going to be coming right back, just so you know. How many phone calls are you getting from couples right now? You know what, not so much from couples right now. I'm getting individuals that are calling me and just saying they're having, you know, they're struggling a little bit with what's going on. You know, everybody trying to find a way to adapt to what's going on right now. 
and it's just a tough time. But it's the situation. It's not them. It's the situation. You know. I, I know some people don't realize it, but I'll tell you, if you're getting couples that's calling you right now, I think your answer to them should be, social distancing is okay. You go upstairs, <laughs> she goes to the garage. What? <laughs> Tony, <laughs> you can go to the garage, man. I'm trying to tell you. Mo, B. <laughs> D. 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 That's a great inside joke. I love it. Yeah. Uh, uh, Dwayne, I, I was actually on your website, mm-hmm. counselingwithdwayne.com. Listeners, make sure you go to counselingwithdwayne.com. And uh, I, I saw something that I read that, that was very interesting to me. It, it said, I am interested in tapping into your own creativity, your own strengths, and your own abilities to find solutions that work for you. Mm-hmm. That's the sign of a therapist because you are looking to help themselves help themselves, right? What, 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 what did you mean by that? Yeah, well, you know, and that's an interesting, because what I mean by that is, you know, people, they'll give me credit for the, the changes they're making or the progress or the growth they've made. And I'm really not doing it. They're making the progress. Um, because I've supervised interns, I always tell my interns the same thing. I said, just because you set the table doesn't mean you get to take credit for the cooking. You know what I'm saying? That, <laughs> and, and, and your clients are the ones doing the cooking. They're doing all the work. You know what I'm saying? All I'm doing yeah. is setting some groundwork for them, a safe place for them to kind of do what they need to do to really begin to have them reveal things about themselves that they didn't know there was there before. You know, that's really what I do more than anything else. In fact, I, again, I tell a lot of clients, I go, if I could take my eyes out of my sockets and stick them in your sockets and you could see you the way I see you, you'd never have to come back and see me ever again. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so what is going on in your practice right now? Well, you know, I work with, I work with kids as a director of one program and then I have a private practice. And the thing that comes up more than anything else probably is the anxiety uh, and, and some of the depression and stuff. But we're looking at some issues, you know, that, that are hard to tackle in some ways. But, um, and especially with the kids today, since, you, you know, you have a lot of kids on there, there's, there's something that's going on that I, that I call um, learned helplessness. And it's a very fascinating concept in regards to what happens to a lot of kids. Shall I move on? Well, I don't know. <laughs> no, what, what, what is, what is that? Dwayne? Yeah. What is it? Okay. I, I, I actually, I actually read, uh, uh, what was the name of it again? Learn helplessness. Yes. I, I actually watched her, her video and uh-huh. it was so interesting how she, so it was basically the, the class, right? And she had mm-hmm. it, she gave them two different, uh, well, it looked to be the same to the students. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it was, it was, what was the name of the, the exercise? Oh, they had some anagrams where she'd give half anagrams. the class the anagrams that were solvable and half the class ones that were, weren't solvable. And then she, with, within five minutes, had taught learned helplessness. You know, again, it, it's very difficult because um, sometimes what happens is when we struggle in an area of our life and we have obstacles, and they seem to overwhelm us, we think they say something about us and they don't necessarily say something about us. You know, they, yeah. they say something about our circumstance and our situation. So for instance, when I have somebody come in and sit down and talk to me about their trauma, you know, in their life, their childhood traumas or something like that, they always talk about how it, it impacted them in a negative way. But the fact that they're sitting in my office talking about the fact that they're, they're bringing it up and saying, I don't want this to affect my life anymore. I have nothing but respect and admiration for somebody to like face their fears and go into the, that's the most important thing, you know? And I think, I think it takes a lot, you know, uh, I, I always talk about the word therapy. It has such a negative connotation to it for so many people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how do you change that? You know, what, what keeps people from coming in and, and, or picking up the phone and saying, you know, I need to talk to a therapist. And most times people do come in because there's a problem. There's a part of their life that's not working for them. And, and so they come in because they want to figure out how to do that. But many times what happens is there's there's some beliefs they have about themselves that make it more difficult for them to, to experience life and do what they need to do. In other words, 
I don't talk a lot about obstacles nearly as much as I talk about challenges, you know, for people and how they meet those challenges in life, you know, and that's basically what we come down to. And so when you ask me about therapy, you can do one or two things. You can focus on the negative and that's, I'm not saying that's wrong or, but what I try to do is focus on the positive so we can build on the positive and it shrinks the negative. You know, as a person, when you focus on something, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden you're doing what my buddy always said is you're trying to pull vault over mouse turds. It's not necessary, (laughs) you know, but you look at anything long enough. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, you got a stick on your arm and it's, you know, like a smaller, you keep looking at it, it it just overwhelms you. So So what is yeah, go ahead. So, what is the what is the toughest part right now? Because you know we talk about uh, we talk about addiction, mm-hmm. which is uh, is something, and, and depression. You know, for a lot of these you know high schoolers and these adolescents, mm-hmm. how how are they dealing with what's going on right now and with the quarantine and isolation? Well, it, it's really it, it's really tough because you know they're at that that age where. Uh, socializing is so important and now now they're telling you like social distancing which makes it very difficult for a lot of a lot of kids you know um so you know and what it also does is it tends to make us go into ourselves a little bit and now we're doing some self-reflection and self-introspection which is good if you have a positive regard for yourself you know yeah so so my, my question is, so how does someone start their first meeting? You know, what is what is the steps after they contact you? And, you know, kind of give me that play-by-play. Okay. Well, you know, they'll call me. They say, hey, I want to come in and talk with you about some things. And I think most people are pretty surprised because I, I really don't want to dive into the problems. I really want to just, I want to find out, hey, what resources do you have available to yourself? What do you bring to the table that you can solve this problem you know yourself because look at it they come in and i solve this problem with them now they're going to think that i'm the problem solver but if they come in and i say hey you have these resources you can solve these things for yourself they don't need to see me anymore so my job as a therapist is to talk people out of coming to see me <laughs> you know isn't that crazy like literally your your survival and your livelihood is based off of people walking into your office and you know, you've been able to help them, but once they get there, you're trying to get them not to come back. I really am, you know? Sounds like my relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so Dwayne, yeah. in theory, I'm a 15 year old with social circles that I can't fit in. I, I can't mm. seem to find a place where I can nestle down and, and create some some true friends and mm-hmm. i internalize that where would you how does that process start with you how do you help an adolescent when he's it's a it's a self-esteem situation where he doesn't feel like mom complains dad complains i, I can't seem to do anything right my grades aren't good i work hard but nothing seems to come i, I can't get any kind of synergy going and i don't feel like i i, I belong I, we see we see the suicide rate in the United States between mm-hmm. males and females is uh, females is 22%. Not that they commit suicide, but there's some suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think again, what happens is, you know, I try to back things up a little bit and go like, okay, I know this is an issue for you. Let's not look back. Let's look forward. In other words, what I mean by that is, is like, okay, this isn't working for you. Let's move forward and see what can work for you. And that's why I talk about challenges. And the thing that's really important, because a lot of kids and a lot of adults say the same thing, I've tried everything, nothing seems to work. And I try to get them into a place, a mindset where they're going like, you haven't tried everything, you have tried everything that you know up to this point, but let's review and see if there's something else that can be tried. Because the answers are there for you. You have the answer. You can do this. What you need is a really good cheerleader. And sometimes as a therapist, that's what I am. Just a really good cheerleader. You can do this. Hang in there. You got this. You can do this. You know? And that's sometimes the most important thing is to have somebody on your side. 
how do you get the, what is the toughest part about that because look you know girls uh, boys and girls are very different girls mature a lot quicker than than guys uh, yeah. and boys and who opens up first when they come and talk to you because like, you know a lot of times you know kids are reluctant they don't want to come and talk now they're in there okay I gotta be here mm-hmm. we want to talk about nothing and nothing wrong I, who opens up first and, and what what is it like well obviously uh, the, the women usually the young ladies are, are much better at opening up if you really want to know how to communicate from a feelings perspective which a lot of therapy can be is you know women are just better at it they're just wired better that um, it's culturally you know acceptable but for guys it's not culturally acceptable to sit down and to be vulnerable and talk about your feelings and what's going on with you you know talk about hey this really scares me or hey god this really made me sad or hey you know that, that really hurt my feelings that's not a guy thing Women can do it and they can get away with it. Guys do it and, you know, then all of a sudden they're wimps or, you know, like a number of other things that we could say that I don't want to say on, on air. <laughs> right. You so know. you use the word that is, uh, yeah, you're right. It's, it's kind of uh, some words that guys don't use a lot. And you talk about vulnerability. Mm-hmm. So um, I want to say her, her name is uh, Renee um, Brown. Uh-huh, that's it. Good Is job. that right? And she talks about uh, listening to shame and the power of vulnerability. I saw her TED Talks, and uh, it was so funny to listen to her. So I, I, I want to say that I, I watched the vulnerability first. Good, good. That's and a, then, that's right and then I went to shame. And mm-hmm. it's funny how she started off the shame topic, and she talked about how she ended the vulnerability TED talk and what people said about her and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. w- w- what what was your take on on both of those um, videos and uh, and how do you utilize them to help some of your your clients? Well, you know what I actually and I have my clients watch those videos so they have an idea, they have a a ground from which they can begin to talk about things because sometimes people can't talk about things they they don't have the language for it, especially guys. Right. And so I usually have them watch those and then what we would do is we start to go into you know where that where that shame comes from it's kind of like you know going diving down the rabbit hole and taking a look at what's going on and and accessing some of those where does that shame come from you know um i i grew up in i want to say a, a pretty tough neighborhood and uh man i was scared a lot of times i got jumped a few times and, and this that and the other thing but i could never go into my house and look at my dad and go like and I was scared, man. I like dad, I, I ran, you know, because I didn't I couldn't do that because that's not what men do, you know. It's so ashamed to have fear of any kind, you know. And I always had to play it off. And if I had like tender feelings, I had to hide those. Those were really hard for me to do as well, because again, that makes you a wimp or you know, a sissy or whatever they want to call you. And so I, I grew up with a certain a certain set of standards. That, that didn't fit with who I was and how I felt. And so I got really ashamed of who I was, you know? And I think I, I've said this before, that there's this idea is, you know, you can make a mistake at something, but that doesn't make you a mistake. Or you can yeah. fail at something, but that doesn't make you a failure. You know what I'm saying? You can screw yeah. something up, but that doesn't mean you're a screw up. And when you start taking these things where you fail at something or you screwed something up or you made a mistake and start saying, this is who I am. Now you've got a real problem. You know what I'm saying? That's where it gets stepped on. Do you, do you, you know? think that because just like you, you know, I, I talk about it all the time. I grew up in South Central and vulnerability was not a word that we used, right? Mm-hmm. In the neighborhood, um, mm-hmm. you know, you talking about, you know, the, the fighting and all those type of things. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's generational? You know, because I've tried to change that when it comes to my kids and my boys, you know, the hugging and the kissing and, you mm-hmm. know, that type of stuff that that's not how I grew up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think, you know, I think you kind of got this idea is like, hey, this is something I needed. And so I'm going to provide this for my kids. It'll be interesting. I don't know how old your kids are, but as they get older, they're not going to have the same kind of um, appreciation for it that you have for it because they've had it. You know what right. I'm saying? 
yeah, yeah, and he and he's the, the youngest one is five, and I and I'm I am so I try to do it so much to him, and you know I started I started with my 15 year old, and you know used to kiss him and hug him and drop him off to school. No, no, come here, give me a kiss, you know. And as he started to get older, back up, man. <laughs> People go see it, right? Uh -huh. But I think those things are really really important, and I, I made a conscious effort to to begin to do that so that they understand that it's okay because you know back in the day it ain't okay to cry it ain't okay to do all these other things unless you win a championship you know you win the championship now it's okay to cry right <laughs> or if you lose a championship or, or if you lose a championship and then everybody's saying it's okay these two guys are 292 pounds six seven and they're hugging and crying but that's okay right yeah but somebody took your lollipop you can't Wait, have you seen a difference in the psychological things that kids deal with today as compared to three years ago, five years ago, eight years ago, 10 years ago? Or is the sociological thing still the same? Or what do you yeah. see as compared to maybe earlier in your practice? Yeah, you know, and I don't know because, you know, Mo, Mo referenced the fact that he grew up in, 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 in in, in, in a tough neighborhood and, and so did I in some ways. So when I say these things, I don't know how much of them are about the times or the fact that we live in Orange County. And um, I was, um, and, and let me tell you what I think the difference is, okay? And, and again, I don't know Mo's situation. I can just talk to mine. Um, it, the, <laughs> there wasn't a lot there. To be honest with you, you know, it, we, I, I was in protection mode, it seemed like most of the time, you know, but the thing about it was, is there weren't a lot of expectations on, me, you know, um, I, I'm one of the first in my family to actually even go to college, you know what I'm saying? But Orange County is a different animal, man, the expectations, I'm watching these kids studying for the, the GAD, GAD and taking all these tests and the ACTs and stuff and getting in honors classes and doing all this. The expectations are just so high, they're ramped up. And what I'm seeing is these kids get really overwhelmed and anxious and depressed and, you know, cause they're not quite making the grade, you know? Yeah. And it, it's, it's kind of sad to see, you know? there's no there's no lack of support it doesn't seem but there's this expectation that sometimes seems to be higher than than some of these young people can achieve or even want to achieve sometimes do you see any um any factors with i was in my late 20s when i got my first cell phone and i look at kids now today i mean we've got uh, kids that that we work with in, in some of our youth programs who are four, five, six years old, they have a cell phone already. Um, how do you see the cell phone or social media interacting today as compared to even just five, six years ago? Yeah, well, um, I think what happens with the social media stuff is, you know, and I've talked about this also before, is it's a great way to communicate, but it's not a great way to connect. And I'm finding more and more kids who have like, an inability to connect with other people. They know how to talk. They just don't know how to connect with one another, you know? And, and with the social media, the other thing that happens is, um, look, when I first started hearing about social media and I was doing counseling with people, kids would come in and go like, they said some really horrible things to me on social media. And I would kind of laugh about it like, dude, they didn't knock you out. You got all your teeth intact. What, what are you complaining about here? Like, forget it, you know? As I grew up with sticks and stones will break my bones, but words can never hear me, hurt me. And now I'm finding out, it's like, hey man, those things when they're done on social media, they stick. And one of the kids told me this, and I, I really like it. He goes, you know, Dwayne, back in your day when the dinosaurs were roaming the earth still, when you got in a fight, you know, there would be a group of kids there, you get in a fight, and it was over. And some of the kids would go back to school and say, yeah, Dwayne got his butt whipped or whatever, you know what I'm saying? And you kind of get, but you move on. Now these yeah, kids Yeah, and, and, and then you can, see the, you, you can see the person you got to fight with the next day and you guys are cool, right? And they exactly. have a, a newfound respect for you. Exactly. Dwayne, I said the same thing. I, don't, I never understood how, when they started talking about bullying via text, and I'm like, turn off your phone. Then you won't, you won't see it. Like, I didn't get it. 
right? Until yeah. we started to research it and try mm-hmm. to figure it out. You talk about social distancing, what kids fail to realize is they've been doing that for how many years now because they're stuck on their phone or, you know, my five-year-old is sitting in uh, upstairs playing Fortnite, right? Mm-hmm. His brothers and sisters are here, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That is already social distancing and, and it's just different. It's way different, like I said. And this one kid was telling me, he's like, hey, dude, I got in a fight. Well, guess what? Somebody videoed the fight. Now everybody at school is watching me get my butt kicked on this in this fight. And he goes, like, it's crazy. But even that social media and that stuff, it, and people will say mean things because they're not face-to-face with somebody. They say just really mean things. And I, I have this little theory about this, and I'll tell you how this goes, kind of. I can walk in a room with 20 people, and 19 of them could really like me. You know what I'm saying? Pats on the back. How are you doing? Great to meet you and stuff. And there's one person in that room who I can just tell doesn't like me. When I walk out of that room, guess who I'm going to be thinking about the rest of that night? That was right. That one person. That one person, you yeah. know? And I disregard all the other 19. And that is enough to drive me crazy, you know? Why is it? What is it that... I, 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 we talked about the anagrams, right? I think that's what it's called. I can't remember. You know, it's above my grade level. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and she asked the question after, how did you feel that this side of the room raised their hand because they had the answer and you didn't? And every response was some type of inferior response. I felt stupid. Mm-hmm. I felt rushed. Mm-hmm. You know, t- stuff like that. And then at the end when she said, okay, we got to, this this side of the room is not as smart. They're not smarter than you by any means. Mm-hmm. But the third one was identical across the board. Right. How did you feel once I got, well, I felt because I failed two times before mm-hmm. and I didn't even want to try this mm-hmm. third time, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah. such amazing how the mind plays those tricks on you. Well, it does. It really does. And, and that's what they call, you know, that, that idea. We go back to that learned helplessness. And, and what happens is, you know, we, when we hear the negative or see the negative, and here's the problem with it on top of everything else. And that, this will go back to kind of like where you and I, you're at with your kids and what makes it different. Okay. I spent most of my time in protection mode. You know, when I'm out in the streets and stuff, I'm protecting myself. Well, if I'm protecting, I can't connect with people. I'm taking, I gotta, I'm in survival mode. You know what I'm saying? So connecting with people ain't happening. It ain't happening. You know, what you're doing is teaching your kids how to connect. But what happened in that video was, is once you get this idea that like, there's something wrong with me, you're constantly on guard for that in some way, shape or form, you know? Yeah. And so again, one of the things that I try to do is, is try to pr- promote almost like this you know what happened is it happened so what let's move on let's get you out of that fixed mindset let's get you out of that protection mode all the time it's like what are people thinking about me they're thinking bad things and get you into a mindset of like hey i'm okay like you know like i got something going on this may not be it I work with a lot of kids with ADD and ADHD, attention deficit disorder. Yeah. I feel so bad for them because they've had such a um, a profoundly negative experience in school and they think they're dumb. And all the research said, they're not dumb at all. They just learn differently, but the schools aren't set up to help teach them in the way they learn. Right. You talk to these kids, they've given up. And that's the worst thing you could do is give up. You know, that's yeah. when my heart breaks. I just go like, oh man, don't give up. Yeah, I'm dumb. I can't get, everybody else gets it and I don't get it and stuff like that. And then it crosses over into every other part of their lives. Yeah, I think I think teachers and, and schools need to understand that everybody is not a A-plus a test taker. You know, some, some kids, uh, you know, they might test well verbally, you know, take that mm-hmm. same test or quiz that you have for that kid and take them to another room or something and give them that quiz verbally and you might see them excel and it might be an A plus verbal quiz taker. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree 100%. Absolutely. Well, look, Dwayne, we need to, we're going to need to pay some bills really quickly. We're okay. going to go to a quick break for our, uh, for our sponsors. I'm having a nice conversation. I'm having my own session. I got my feet kicked up, sitting on the couch, having a session with Dwayne Durst. Don't go anywhere. 
You're on Talk to Talk with Mo Orr. We'll be right back. When I grow up, I want to be a ballerina. I want to be a doctor. When I grow up, I want to be a chef. When I grow up, I want to be a surgeon or a basketball player. I want to be a doctor when I grow up. I want to be called Our commitment to delivering lifestyles within reach is based on a holistic view of investing. We do not invest simply in brick and mortar, but we invest in the people in our communities and we support their dreams and aspirations. One of the great things about the North Point basketball program is it provides uh, our kids an opportunity to explore their hopes and dreams. I think the greatest thing about the program is that we are developing life skills for them, um, discipline, structure. Uh, respect, hard work, friendships, fun. I think in their schools, in their uh, junior highs, in their high schools, and on into college, these are all things that sports is a vehicle to teach them life skills and, and to mentor them into being um, successful people, not only in sports, but in life. Success and stability starts in the home. Avanath provides housing to very hardworking, good people who are pursuing their American dream, and we are incubating that American dream. What we are doing is trying to support those families and help provide activities and mentorship for their children. We're part of their extended family, and it's our dream to help them reach their dreams. That is indeed what Lifestyle Within Reach is all about. Come back. I'm glad you decided to stick around for at least a second segment. I think Dwayne's left, so we're trying to get him back on the phone. I think he said I was giving him too much pressure. Nah, I'm joking. I know you see him up on the screen right there. Look, you're 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 on talk to talk with more. Topic today is having a session with Dwayne Durst, marriage and family therapist, giving me some information that could help you, your kids, your grandparents, your nieces and nephews. So make sure you stick around and listen to what we got going on. We left off talking to Dwayne about learned helplessness. And uh, we were a little bit off air and Tony asked him a couple questions. And, you know, one thing we wanted to kind of revisit was learned helplessness and, and how he uh, deals with that when it comes to his clients. So Dwayne, well, let's start off right there and kind of kind of talk to us about how you deal with that and how, when, when it comes to children and adolescents. Okay. We have this idea of learned helplessness, and this, this idea of learned helplessness was actually researched, and I think he coined the term as well by a, a, a doctor by the name of Martin Seligman, who originally came up with this idea of learned helplessness, is that we, he could actually teach people to be helpless, as you saw in that video, okay? Which is a little concerning, of course, because, you know, like, wow, it didn't take much for this teacher to, to teach this to a class. The good news is, though, if you can teach learned helplessness, you can teach learned hopefulness as well, because it's a, it's a it's a learned response. And so, you know, how how is it you start to move people into a more hopeful way of looking at life? Well, you know, I like to take it down. I, I take it down into what I call the four P's. The first thing we talk about is potential, and the potential is the idea that something could be different. Just that idea. You know, hey, it doesn't have to be this way, you know? And you know, if you've been in sports, the worst thing to hear, though, is for the coach to go up to your parents and say, man, your kid's got a lot of potential. <laughs> yeah. You ain't meet it yet, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm but, a potential player. <laughs> yeah, but what you do is you take that potential and you turn it into what I call possibilities. And what it means is I go from this idea that, and then into the possibilities that this could happen. This could happen. This could be a change. Then that turns into what I call probability. And not only could it happen, it can happen. You know what I'm saying? And then you go into production. 
happen. That's where you make it happen. That's where you take the action. So the probability is the belief system that you, that it, that it can happen. And then the production, you go into the faith that it can happen. I have faith that I can do this, you know? Yeah. Now, having said that, there's a couple of things that I have to say about this though, okay? Yeah. Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw out a scenario for you, okay, really quickly. Okay. Let's say uh, I was just hanging out with you, Mo. And I, and, and I said, hey, this guy's gonna come down and play me in basketball, because I like to play basketball, okay? But I'm old, I got a lot of, a two inch vertical now. And I go, this guy's name is uh, LeBron James. And uh, I'm going to play him one-on-one. And I'm going to take him, I'm going to take him to town. Now, you're going to look at me and like, no, you ain't. There's no, it ain't happening. Because the truth of the matter is, and if I looked at you and said, you know, I can never beat LeBron James at basketball, and I know that, Mo, you you wouldn't think I have low self-esteem. You wouldn't think my confidence is bad. You'd think, like, this guy's in reality. Right. You know, he's, he's, he, he gets it. Because there are certain things in life that we just can't do. But John Wooden said something very profound. He said, don't let what you can't do affect what you can do. Right. And so... If I was to say, I can't be LeBron James at basketball, do I turn that into, I can't be a good dad, I can't be a good brother, I can't be a good son, I can't do anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Do, if do I people that take infiltrate it, that... my thinking and who I am, I'm in I'm in a bad spot. Do, do people really take that and, and run with it like that and start to think like that? They do. Other things? They do. They do. They get into things like, I can't do it. You know, there, there's not enough. And like I said, Martin Seligman did a great job with that and talking about this um, and, and moving into this learned hopefulness and finding ways to give people hope where, you know, you move them into a different area. You, you know, okay, you don't do this well, try this or try something else. Let's find, let's find your strengths. Let's find the things that you do really well and, and move on those. Let's put you around people who are going to let you know that you're 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 doing good. You know what I'm saying? When you're doing good, you know. Yeah. Now crazy. again, you know, because you want to put forth like a a hundred percent effort in whatever you do. You know, you, you say that, and and when we talk about that, uh-huh. it sends me to uh, the video from um, Sean Stevenson. I was, I think it was when he talked uh-huh. about prison of the mind. Right? Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, and then there was a, a, another young lady. Uh, she talked about uh, how your body language may shape who you are and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. That's very interesting how your mind uh, plays. And I think her name was like Amy Cuddy. Or Cuddy. Yeah, Amy Cuddy, yeah. yeah. And you can actually find those on his uh, website, counselingwithdwayne.com. You can find yeah. those books and those videos. Um, well, yeah, sometimes you just even just to change our posture you can tell when somebody's down they got their head down you can tell when somebody doesn't you know they, they won't make eye contact sometimes my sessions are just like hey sit up throw yeah. your shoulders back give it your best shot man i don't care yeah. if you fail it's okay S- struggle is good you know yeah. struggle is good just don't let it define you because what happens is when we get in the struggle of some sort it either defeats us, it defines us, or it develops us as a human being. Right now, we're going through that. Are we going to let this thing defeat us? You know, no. Are we going to let it define us as like, oh, we're all victims? No. We're developing. We're finding new ways of handling something that's very difficult to handle, and you can do that on an individual level as well. You how know? do you, Dwayne? How do you start that process with finding out what their degrees of separation how do, how do they start to find where their circles could possibly be with you okay well again one of the things that we do is remember the first thing that i said was we have this idea of potential i have i'll have them sit with me a lot of times with the clients and i'll say hey kid go home and i want you to write down all of your successes gifts and talents put them down on a piece of paper for me write them down i want to know the things you do i want to know about your strengths I want to know, you know, like what you have. And they come back and go, look, I got nothing. Now we're having a conversation about, yeah, that's not true. Right. You know, you're lying to yourself. 
you know. But why why isn't it true? I mean, where are you gonna take where are you gonna take somebody when they say come back and say I got nothing? I mean, where do we where do we go next with that? Then I'm gonna tell them to do again. We do we do some soul searching together. I start asking them about some things in their life, and then all of a sudden they start to see something because again, somebody who's kind of gravitated toward that learned helplessness, that fixed mindset that, you know, I can't do anything right. They stop looking for all the signs in the world that would suggest otherwise. And all they see is all the failures and they don't see their successes. And there's a ton of them. There's a ton of them. Just the fact that they're sitting in my office, for instance, is a success because they're going like, I want to do my life differently, you know? Well, that's good. I think that's one thing that you say to them when they walk back in. Well, you say you had no successes, but you actually finished the first session and now you're back for the second. Those are, that's something that you can write down, you know, on your sheet. Exactly. So mm -hmm. I got a question. How, how are, you, you have something, Tony, before I want to ask him, how rewarding is your job and, and what do you think the success rate is uh, with some of your clients? Yeah, you know, I, I'm going to tell you something very fascinating. Let me do a couple of stories about this. One is, the reason I became a therapist is because I was in therapy. And I originally didn't get into this field because I thought I could help people. It wasn't it. The reason I got in this field is because when I sat in my therapist's office when I was 16, I liked the feeling of feeling safe in there, not being judged, and being able to talk about whatever I wanted to talk about and go like, man... I want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to I want to create safe pace places for myself and others so we can talk about what's going on. And that's why I got into this field. And a lot of people will ask me like, oh man, you got the toughest job in the world. I mean, how can you do it? Like all the stressors and everything. And I tell people, I got the best job in the world, man. You know what my job is? To create relationships with people to connect with people on a meaningful level on a day-to-day -day basis. That's my job. And yes, I have I have some that don't, it doesn't work out, no doubt about it. But you know what else I have? I get to see these, some of these young people grow up and be amazing human beings. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and I get to hear their story of successes and stuff like that. And that is the best of all. That is the best of all. And I'll live with those. I'll live with, I'll take those two with me. Because again, I could get into, I'm not doing enough. I'm not a good therapist. No, I'm not going to do that. I do look at what I do. And if there's ways I can, I can improve, I'll do that. Right. But I'm looking at me, I'm like, I mean, people, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Here's the thing. I don't know how this goes. It's just going to sound horrible. I don't really like people, <laughs> but I love, I love persons. That's you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> when I look out there at people, I'm like, you people, I really, I don't even want to hang out. But when I sit with a person one-on-one, -on -one, man, I, you can't but not love what they bring into the table and what they're talking about and what, you know what I'm saying? And they just shine and it's- You know what's important about that though, Dwayne, hmm. is that the, the people that you're helping and talking to don't like people either. <laughs> but they like person, right? They, it, it's yeah. true. It's mm -hmm. true. If you really look at it, they like person. Does that come yeah. down to the connecting, though, that we talked about mm -hmm. earlier? You, you talked about people connecting. Yeah. You know. and, th and that's the one thing. You know, they did a study on, on, on the quality of people's lives and, and how long they lived. And it wasn't about how much money you had. It wasn't about the fame you got. You know what it was about? It was about your connections and your relationships with others. That is the number one predictor of having a happy life. But hey, I could only imagine. Yeah. So, so what are, what are some of the tools you use to um, help today's youth, uh, youth? Okay. Well, again, I, I try to get people in what I call a growth mindset based on Carol Dweck's work. And what I mean by that is, and this is going to sound really hippie-ish, but I'm, I'm like an old hippie is like no <laughs> you get into what i call the love mindset too and what that means is man you gotta start finding ways to love yourself you know what i'm saying you and and if you're having trouble doing that then surround yourself with people that you feel like you can you can be yourself and they are going to 
really appreciate that about you, you know? And it doesn't mean that they won't from time to time tell you, hey man, like what you're doing, it does, it, it's not good. You know what I'm saying? But there's yeah. a difference between like, for instance, me with you, Mo. If there's a difference between doing, hey Mo, the way you handled that wasn't so good. That's one way. But the other way, hey Mo, you're like a jerk. Do you see the difference there? Yeah. You know? And so, you know, you can have those conversations with people, but you you, you want to connect with people. And I would tell you that the easiest way to connect with people is to compliment others. You know? When yep. you start seeing the good in others, you'll start seeing the good in yourself. If you want to see the good in yourself, write yourself a letter to somebody that you really appreciate and let them know how much you appreciate them. And either go to their house and now you can't send it via email. I would prefer you do it in person if you can, but if you can't do it via FaceTime or something like that and read that letter to them and let them know how much you really appreciate them. Yeah. I think a lot of times now uh, we've seen it with, with Kobe and other people that has passed on that people always say that we do it once they're gone and we don't do it when they're here. Mm -hmm. And the best time to do it is when they're here so they can uh, hear it and appreciate it. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So Wayne, what do you what do you what do you do in your downtime? What what, what are some of your hobbies? What do you like to do? <laughs> downtime? What are you talking about right now? <laughs> Here we go. Yeah, you know, uh, there's a group of old guys I play basketball with once a week when the weather permits, and and with a six foot distancing, I'm finding off I get I get my shot off a lot better than I used to. Um, <laughs> So social distancing works for you, right? You know what? It's kind of funny. All I have to do is cough, drive the lane, and it's wide open all the way to the hoop. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I play guitar. I, I'm not good at it, but I play guitar. You know, I, I find ways where I can kind of move into myself. I do my own uh, meditation and and, uh, and a lot of reading um, just on various points. Some people see I'm a little bit of a freak because I spend a lot of time also reading psychology books, especially. Yeah. Ways to improve as a therapist, and so I can, so that I can bring in not only a wealth of knowledge but my compassion as well into the, the sessions. I like to say that uh, knowledge is power, but wisdom is compassion. But you need both of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I do a lot of reading and, and a, lot, a lot of research and I like to look at the, the latest research that's out and how I can make it come alive in the sessions with clients to help them and stuff like that. Really, that's that's my life. That's awesome. I, I can see you're passionate about it. Do you, since you do so much reading, do you have like some suggestions of books that some of our young readers or, you know, some of our listeners might be able to go pick up and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. read out, read it. it. Might might be an audio book, but something that they can go ahead and uh, do something to their brain. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of them is um, a lot of young people. I ask them to read it, and a lot of them like it. It's a book called The Four Agreements. Um, a lot of kids really like that book because it's simple and down to earth, and they can use it. It's based on a Native American culture and uh, ideology. Um, but it's very good. It's very, you know, like pertinent to today and what's, what people are going through. It talks um, about personal it, freedom, right? Or something like yeah, that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's TED Talks. And we talked about a couple of them. You know, Sean Stevenson, Prisoner of the Mind, is a very good one, you know, where he says, never believe in a prediction that doesn't empower you. You know, great statement. Learn to love yourself don't get involved in pity, you know, because pity is the worst drug on the planet, you know, and finding ways to honor yourself. Um, Brene Brown's uh, TED Talks are really good as well. And sometimes once you start with one, there's another one by, I think his name's Sean Wilson, but I'm not sure. And he talks about like this idea of facing your fears. And then what I do is I start with one and he rec recommends another one. And Recon all of it's yeah, I, think I, I, I watched one. I watched one today, and I think it was uh, Charles Hunt. Uh, I talked about what trauma taught uh, taught him about uh, resilience or something like that. Yes, that's really so good. good. Uh -huh. That was a really, really good one. It was and unexpected. 
Yeah. What makes that one really good is it's not a guy that's just sitting up there talking out of a book. He, he's talking right. about his life and how, and again, when I said trauma, it either defeats you, defines you, or develops you. You can tell with that guy, it developed him. He took that struggle and made himself, it made him who he was in a very positive way. Well, you look at it, if when you if you just listen to his story, mm-hmm. there's no way you thought success would have came at the end of all that, right? Because right. some people could take that stuff, turn it and go, use it to where they can say, no, I'm not gonna be successful. But he goes, graduated from college, first one in his in his uh, family to go to college, right? And then gets a master's. And through all that, he has a story to tell. And it was uh-huh. a great story talking about the trauma, uh, how that trauma made him resilient. So yeah, that's awesome. So it I, is. Mm-hmm. I got a question. So, uh, you know, for, we talk about, you know, children and, and kids and of course some adults who, who deal with uh, anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you deal with or live with somebody with anxiety and depression? Do you have any advice for our viewers and and, and our listeners? Yeah, well, one of the things that happens is if if you're around somebody who has you know gets anxious or it has panic attacks and stuff, or anybody who's like depressed, a lot of things that happens if you don't understand it, you're gonna say some really dumb things like. Like somebody who's depressed, after they've been depressed for two or three days or four or five days, I, I they come in and go like, yeah, they told me to just get over it. Like lace up the boots and get on with life and stuff like that. That's not how depression works. Depression, you can't will yourself out of depression. You can't will yourself out of anxiety. It doesn't work that way, you know? Sometimes yeah. you gotta go back to the source of it and really begin to unravel it in some ways to help them make sense of what it means um, in a way that works for them. Talk therapy is good, but it only takes you so far. With depression and anxiety, I'm finding out you have to re-experience some positive things so that it dissipates. Okay? Like if I told you, if you were anxious, and I said, just stop being anxious. Well, rationally, you're like, yeah, it doesn't serve me. It's not a rational thing. Depression's not rational. There's nobody walking around going like, you know what? I love feeling like this. You know, I'm going for this feeling, you know? I love feeling like negative, you know? I Man, the more down I feel, the better I am. It's not like that, you know? I love waking up in the morning and thinking like, here comes another sucky day. <laughs> it just doesn't happen that way. But what do, what, so, you, you, but you have these people that live with these people or are or, or, or loving these people and mm-hmm. they've never dealt with it so they don't know how to deal with it you know mm-hmm. so how do you not destroy that relationship but knowing that you need to have empathy and all that and want to try to help but don't know how <laughs> it's, well, I like it's such an equation that. it's like empathy a math and, 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 and like that <laughs> <laughs> It's, a, it's one of those terms that kind of gets over, overused in some ways. I had a supervisor one time talk to me about empathy, and I go like, and I said to him, like, I was talking about a client, and I said, hey, you know what? I really understand where this guy is coming from. My supervisor says, no. He goes, you understand where he's coming from from your point of view. You need to understand where he's coming from from his point of view. And that really changed some things for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I don't necessarily have to agree with people or a person that I'm seeing with, but understand them. You know, to understand them is more important. And if I, one thing I could say is find ways to understand them. Understand it from their perspective first, because that way they're gonna feel like you're on their side. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. That's from me to you, man. That's from me. Really, that's a really, really profound statement, and especially, honestly, in my opinion, with today's kids, especially Mm -hmm. over the last three, four, five years, Mm -hmm. they only want to know how much you care about them because they all feel like nobody cares about me. Mm -hmm. Well, again, because people are focused on their grades, they're focused on their performance on the sport. They're focused, you know, they're they're focused on all, a, a lot of things. And don't I'm not saying you shouldn't focus on those things, 
but there has to be those moments in time where you're looking and you're going, you know what, you're okay just the way you are. You know, I love you, you know. I mean, I, the way I like to look at it is like, you know, when my dog has an accident in the house, you know, I'm, I'm mad at the fact that the dog had that accident in the house, but I still love that dog. You know what I'm saying? And after I get, I'm petting that dog and say, you're just a bit, you know, that's what we need to do is you, as parents and as, um, as adults in these kids' life, we need to be building them up, you know? And when they make mistakes, then they'll listen to us because they know we're on our side, you know? If I want you on my team, if I want you to listen to me, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you 10, 15 compliments before I come at you with something you need to work on or some kind of uh, um, constructive complaint. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense. Okay. Because if all I'm coming at you is complaint, you're not good. You're not doing it good enough. You got to do it better. You then all of a sudden you're going to tune me out after a while. It's like, yeah, I'm not good enough. It's never good enough. Why even try? And that's what happens with a lot of kids. They get into like, it is never good enough. You know, I, 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 I give up, you know, well, they can't give up and we can't let them give up. And I, I, look, I know that you're charging me for the hour for my session today. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Venmo? Do you take Venmo? <laughs> I, do, you know I mean, look, man, I, look, I, I know the listeners are sitting there and saying, I want more, I want more, I want more. Man, I, it's, it's a lot. And this is great information for these kids. And I know there's listeners out there who is sitting there going, oh, my God, that's me. You know, that's mm-hmm. me. How do um, how do people get in contact with you? First off, I like to get stuff on record right away. Can I get you to come back onto my show? <laughs> Man, I'd love to. I, you know, anytime I can, you know, like talking and, and and this is such a great format because it's like it's a kickback format. It's not like real. Um, I, I, forgive me for saying it. I don't know how else to say it. it's not like this. You know, professional like you know, squared in kind of thing. It's like yeah. just an open dialogue and it's, it, it's the best, man. It's- That's what I want. That's what I want these listeners to, to get. I, I just, look, I, I don't want a suit. Look, the high school narrative, we're not a suit and tie company. We talk about that all the time. We're going to throw some sweats. Would you want to come to a meeting? Well, you might want to put on some Nikes or something because we're coming in with some sweats and some, <laughs> and some tennis shoes. So, you know, it's just important, man. I, I appreciate you being here. Um, Tony, did you have something to say before I... No, but I would say this: if there, one of the, our listeners could do is you could actually uh, direct message Mo through his social media, um, Mo underscore or that's two R's, and you could actually send Mo a direct message, and we could probably get to Dwayne on some of these things that we get out with, and 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 bring some of those questions to Dwayne because it it is a kickback environment, and I think it's a great opportunity for kids to be able to uh, to vet what they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and really, parents, really grandparents. Yeah, and there and there has to be that form, and this is the thing. There has to be that form, that open form for kids to tell us what's going on. You know, I'm telling you what I'm hearing from kids. I'm not telling you my ideas about things. I'm telling you what I'm hearing from kids. And kids, they get it. They're bright. They're intelligent. They're they're more connected than than we give them credit for a lot of times. And so you know, this is a great form for them to be able to speak out and have a voice. Well, thank you very much, man. I, I really appreciate you, Dwayne, for coming on. Um, you know, you might I would say that you're the first guest to come on with a Pendleton. I have one of those, just so you know. I got a, one of those Pendletons <laughs> on, and, and it's, it's, it's buttoned up at the top. That's what I'm talking about. That's how I ride and how I get down, too. So thank you so much. Look, we've been sitting down having a, a nice session uh, with Dwayne Durst, you know, marriage and family therapist. He said he's going to come back, so we'll be looking forward to that. And to you listeners, thank you for taking some time out of your day to listen to my annoying voice. Once again, please join me next week. We're going to be talking to uh, Rich Estrella and Chris Ricks of Fox Sports West. Um, My podcast will be covering any and everything from adolescent high school education, high school sports and uh, athletes. I will interview educators, athletic directors, and a few celebrities from time to time. My hope 
is to share my passion for education and high school extracurricular activities and higher learning. We will cover those topics that will further our educators, build our community around education and higher learning. Find me, like Tony said, on social media anywhere, Twitter, at Mo underscore or, that is with two R's, or on Instagram, at Mo, the HS narrative, and make sure to subscribe to and comment on any podcast app. You have been listening to Talk to Talk with Mo Orr, and I'm going to leave you with one thing. Take the time to do something nice for someone, and in turn, someone will do something nice for you. I got to go. We're out. My name is Jose from Intro Wheels. I've been in the tire and wheel industry for about 40 years. We start by buying the logs of aluminum, then we cut them to size, depending on the rim. We send them out for forging, which they make them look like a pancake. So from there, we put them on the lathe, we do the shape that we need for the style of the rim, and then from the lathe, we put them on the milling. And that's when my brother comes in with his programming and his designs. And then after that, we send them out for polishing, chroming, powder coating. Then we assemble here, you know, weld, clean them, repolish them, box them, everything to ship out. It's a quite a bit of a process. That's why it's an expensive product because it, it takes hours of work for one single ring. The reason that we were well known is because we were constantly innovating new designs. And besides that, our quality has always been there for the industry. And that's what really made us different from everybody else.